coming to you today on video because Pastor Tim and myself are at our downtown campus. Uh, we're celebrating Pastor Fred, who I know many of you know, who uh, has been in ministry 60 years. So if, if you think about that, he started his ministry in 1955. A house back in 1955 was $22,000. Can you imagine having that for a mortgage? <laughs> Uh, the average income was $4,000, a car was about $2,200, milk was $0.92, cents, and gas was $0.23. Cents. So we're celebrating not the fact that it was a lot cheaper back then, but celebrating the fact that God has done amazing things through Pastor Fred's ministry. Uh, and just as an aside with that, after our late service here at our family center at 11.30, we're going to have a brunch downtown, a, uh, a potluck, if you will. And you are more than welcome to join in with that after our worship services are done. Just come on down. And even if we've already started, there'll be plenty of food. And uh, we'd love to have you join us downtown. So today we're continuing our summer series, Summer at Trinity, and uh, today we're going to be talking about something that uh, I struggle with and I know that you struggle with as well, and it's this idea that Jesus teaches us about loving our enemies. Now for me, when I think of that word enemy, my, my brain goes epic, so I, I immediately think of these people waiting in the, the wings, uh, to waiting in the bushes, ready to jump me and, and uh, attack me as enemies. You know, this giant underworld being maybe coming to destroy me. Or, or I think of people who, uh, as I said, wait, wait outside the house wanting to break in and, you know, they would be considered your enemy, they'd be considered my enemy. Uh, these categories of people who we would consider enemies, are very easy to hate. They are the, quote, against me people in some way. Now, sometimes I struggle with loving people who don't agree with me. I know I'm the only one here, but sometimes I struggle with loving people who are not just not agreeing with me, but against me in some way. Those who I would consider my enemies. Sometimes I even struggle with loving people here in our own church. <laughs> Reminds me of a, a story of a man who was stranded on the proverbial deserted island in the Pacific for years and years and years. One day a boat came sailing into view and the man frantically waved at his hands and got the captain's attention and the boat landed on the beach and the skipper got out and greeted the stranded man. After a while, the rescuing sailor asked the castaway, Well, what are those three huts that you've built on this small, small highland? And the stranded man replied, Well, the first hut is my house. What's the next hut? asked the sailor. Well, I built that for my church. Okay, but what about the third hut? Oh, the castaway said sadly, That's where I used to go to church. You see... That, that little story, we, we argue against each other even here at church and we look across the, 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 the chairs here and we think of somebody we've had a relational conflict with and, we, and in our minds they are my enemy. So we struggle with those, those things. And so maybe you've struggled with that question, okay, Jesus, if I'm supposed to love my enemy, first thing, God, what do I, how do I define an enemy? Who is an enemy? Well, first, let's talk about who isn't your enemy. That might even give you more perspective of how to love a certain category of, of people. So an enemy is uh, not someone who tells you the truth about yourself. 
Let me say that again. An enemy is not somebody who tells you a truth, a hard truth maybe, about yourself. That person isn't your enemy. You could actually redefine that person as a, a true friend. I mean, just because you don't like what someone tells you doesn't automatically make them your enemy. If someone comes to you personally and says, you know, you're kind of putting on the weight. You might want to watch it. That person is doing you good. Even though at that point you just want to deck them. <laughs> so a person who comes to you and tells you the truth is, is not necessarily your enemy. But an enemy is a person that, that is described like this. A person who is consistently wanting to hurt you. Or a person who wants to dominate you. Or a person who seeks to ruin your work. The Bible says that even a person who is, quote, worldly is considered an enemy. Friendship with the world and is hatred toward God. A person who is consistently against the truth of the gospel is also considered, by definition, an enemy. So, think about your world. Think about your circles. Is there anybody in your life, is there anybody in your circles now that you can think of who fits one of these descriptions? Guess what? The hard teaching today is that God wants you to love that person. In fact, we're going to be taking a look in Matthew 5, uh, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon, if you will, in all of history. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chapter 5. We're going to be uh, in verse uh, 43. Uh, but um, I love the Sermon on the Mount because it's early in Jesus' ministry. And he's begun to preach that the kingdom of heaven is near. And knowing, that, and knowing the Son of God, knowing Jesus, knowing Him, is the only way into that kingdom. And that's the truth of the gospel. So Jesus is teaching that, and God makes it clear that there's no other name under which a person can be saved other than the name of Jesus. So Jesus is teaching, He's laying out the gospel, and then He says, So now that you are understanding what the kingdom is, now that you're in the kingdom, if you will, here's how you should live while here on earth, in relationship to other people. Here's what a good and fulfilling life looks like. And so he's teaching, starting in chapter 5, teaching about many different things. And he, he comes upon this teaching that, that we're talking about loving our enemies that is so contra contrary and radical to the teachings of the day. And realistically, so controversial and radical to, the, to our world today as well. I mean, imagine you're from the towns of Galilee and you, you've heard about Jesus coming and, and teaching and preaching. You've heard him preach before. And you come and you're listening and you're sitting on this beautiful, uh, it, it's, uh, I, I've been there, there's, there's a beautiful, um, it overlooks the Sea of Galilee and it's, I wanna, it, it's a hill that sits like a natural amphitheater a little bit. And, and it just looks out over the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is sitting down, which is customary, and he's teaching about life. And relationship and how your relationship with others impacts the the beauty of and the, the level of quality of your life. And so chapter 5, Matthew 5, verse 43, he says this. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. And then and I love what Jesus does. He says, This is this is what you hear, but then verse 44, he says, But I tell you, love your enemies as well, and pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus is saying, 
not only you know love the people that you normally love but love your enemies so what what is this word love well first of all many of you know this this is meant review for many people but there are different four different kinds of love listed in the bible the first one is a storge love which is just your family love you love your brothers your sisters your moms that it's a family love the other greek word for love is eros and that's the intimate the sexual relationship between a husband and wife um, and it's a it's a it's a an, an intimate sexuality. Uh, the third one is philos love, which is brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city city of brotherly love. That's where Philadelphia gets its name. And then the fourth one is agape love, which you hear that term a lot. And agape love is that unconditional love. No matter what the other person does to you, no matter how many insults or hurts. We are to regard him with goodwill and seeking his highest good. So the agape love is that deep, unconditional love. Now, of all four of these, guess which one Jesus uses, these four Greek words that he could have picked, to talk about loving your enemies. It was the fourth one, the agape love. So why does he tell us this? Well, basically because Jesus knows your nature. He knows my nature. He knows human nature. He knows that when we are hurt by an enemy, when we are, are attacked in some way, the first thing we want to do is get revenge. Our human nature tells us to expect a battle when we're at odds with someone. He knows that when I'm driving on the freeway and some little kid comes right up onto my bumper, that agape love is not the first thing I want to show him. In the case of our enemies, love is not only something of the heart, it's actually something more of the will, something we have to choose to do. Loving someone you don't love is a choice. So the second part of this whole thing, and this comes from one of the commentaries I read on this verse. Uh, to many Jews of Jesus' day, these statements were offensive. Not just, wow, that's a new teaching, but they were offensive. Any Messiah who would turn the other cheek and not the military leader they wanted to lead a revolt against Rome... Uh, was not considered important. Since they were under Roman oppression, they wanted retaliation against their enemies whom they hated. But Jesus suggests a new radical response to injustice. Instead of demanding rights, giving them, instead of demanding rights, we give them up freely. According to Jesus, it's more important to give justice and mercy than to receive it. Okay, so let's recap. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you is how Jesus starts this teaching. Then he continues in verse 45 with, with, with the reason. You know, here's the purpose. Here's the reason we do that. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He, the Father, causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Basically, this phrase means the blessings and consequences are distributed equally among people by God. He blesses, he, he has consequences, there's disciplines, there's systems he has set up that we live under, and, and no matter whether you're Christian or not. So then verse 46, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you know anything about the day, tax collectors were the lowest of the low people of society. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? 
And then Jesus, in, in verse 48, Jesus makes one of those, what I call Jesus statements, that just doesn't seem to make sense, or it's just hard for me to understand, or to actually live out. In verse 48, he says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what does that mean? What does that perfect word mean? It doesn't mean to be sinless. In, the, in this context, we kind of get mixed up with that word perfect in our English, but in the original language, it doesn't necessarily mean to be sinless. That's a different Greek word. Perfect, as Jesus is using it, means complete and whole, finding fulfillment in its purpose. He's saying, if you want to be complete in my will, if you want to be a mature follower of Jesus, if you want your life to have a sense of wholeness and not brokenness, loving and praying for your enemies is part of the picture of fulfilling your purpose as a Christ follower. Now, if you look at the stage on this side over here, I don't actually, honestly, because it's video, I'm seeing two different things. So it could be on this side as you're looking at me, or it could be on this side. To me, as I'm looking out, it's over here. So if you look at the stage, you look at the musical instruments, uh, you look at the guitars, you look at the, the drums, just sitting there, they don't fulfill their purpose. They don't fulfill what they were designed to do. But when one of the guys, one of the gals plays these instruments, its purpose is fulfilled. And, and biblically, that's called being perfect in this context. So its purpose has been fulfilled. So then, you, Christ follower, you are perfect, as Jesus uses it here, according to uh, or act, when you're acting in a mature faith, when you fulfill what makes you Christian by loving those who don't love you. You are acting in a perfect, whole way. It's followership. It's what you and I have been called to as Christians. How do you react to those with whom you butt heads? You don't call them that, but how do you react? I don't know why I said that, but how do you react to people that you just are at odds with? Do your reactions to that people resemble an adolescent or a mature faith? Okay, so how do we do that? How, how do we, as Jesus says, love your enemies as yourself, love other people? How do we do that? Well, there are three ways that you can love your enemies, and a couple of them come from the book of Luke chapter 6. Now, one of them is to pray for them. Luke 6.28 says, Praise, pray for those who mistreat you. So it would be like this. Dear Lord, they are really mean, and I want you to wipe them off the face of the earth. No, that's not, that's not the prayer Jesus is encouraging us to pray. You would pray first that the Lord would change you. You would pray second that the Lord would change them. And you would pray third that the Lord would change the situation. If you start praying like this, I'm convinced that within a couple of weeks at the most, that God would fulfill that and your relationship with an enemy would be resolved. Or at a minimum, God would give you a guidance as to how am I supposed to relate to this person who is consistently attacking me? That's a promise from God. The prayers of a righteous person avail much. So the first thing, first way that you can love your enemy is to pray for them. Second way is to speak well of them. Now, this, this is a whole sermon in and of itself. Uh, Luke 6.28 also says, Bless those who persecute you. Verbally bless them uh, who curse you. And this is really a tough one. Why? 
Because it's what we just talked about. Because by nature, what we want to do when somebody insults us, we want to escalate, right? Oh, yeah? Well, you did this. Oh, yeah, you did this. Oh, yeah. And it's just this, 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 this. Up, up, up. And it escalates out of control. I, I like to use what I call the thumper principle. If you don't have anything nice to say, what? Don't say nothing at all. That's right. So you pray for them, the people that you've seen as your enemies, you speak well of them. And third, and this is a hard one, honestly help make their life heaven. Even though they're making your life hell, you try and make your, their life heaven. In Romans it says, our scripture tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with what? With good. If you find your enemy's ox or donkey loose, take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you lying helpless under its load, don't walk, don't walk off and leave it. Help it up. You see, God is calling us to help and help our enemies as best you can to keep, you know, obviously you're keeping yourself safe in that, but to try and make their life here on earth heaven. Now, why is this important? Why does Jesus teach this? It's because when someone acts differently toward you, especially when you don't expect it, you take notice and you say, what's going on? When the police officer gives you a warning instead of a ticket that you definitely deserve, you remember that. Or a store clerk who puts down what they're doing, not only to tell you where the pizza sauce is, but to take you to the aisle and show you exactly where it is. You'll go back to that store or the church that is loving and warm rather than unfriendly and cold. You take notice. That's what I love about our church, both of our campuses. Fantastic way of loving and welcoming people. Many of you are here because you felt that right walking in the door. We hear that in leadership all the time. As a staff, we, we, we talk about people who have come in and the comments that you give us. We love to hear those kinds of things. Not always. We're not perfect. No church is perfect. But generally, our church is a loving, warm, and welcoming place to be. And I would just take this encouragement, if you know somebody who's not connected with a church and, and you, you know that they would benefit from what we do here at our family center uh, or at our downtown campus, invite them along. We'll hopefully make their experience here as welcoming as when you had it as well. So in doing this, eventually enemies become friends and your friends become family. And the Holy Spirit uses you to change their hearts and to bring them into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's the goal of everything that Jesus is teaching. Loving your enemies potentially could mean, through your witness, them coming into the kingdom for eternity. Now in closing... You know, all of this that we just talked about, about enemies and loving them, and what does that look like? Isn't that what God did for you? Isn't that what God did for me? While we were enemies of God, the Bible says, he loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. And now through the love we receive from Jesus, we take that love and pour it out to a world 
who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. His grace, his love, his warmth and welcoming is shown through us. Let's stand to pray. Lord, I know that I'm not the most lovable person on the planet. And I know that you acted in your mercy toward me and saved me through the love of Jesus. Help me now, Lord, to love those whom I consider difficult to love. Help me to keep my mouth shut at times, but also help me to speak the truth at times and doing all things to give you glory so that others can be brought into your kingdom by your grace. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray this. And all God's people said, amen.